You are listening to On the Ledge, Mysteries in Yosemite. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome back to On the Ledge. We've been gone for 10 days. Yep. We last talked to you guys on the 19th, September 19th, and today is the 29th. It's yep. been it's been a long 10 days. I what, know. I miss do? doing this. <laughs> I know. I was wanting to. Also, disclaimer, my voice is really deep recently. <laughs> we think she has nodes. I th- have you seen Pitch Perfect? I think I have nodes. Yeah, we think she has notes. Well, your mom has notes. Yes. And so just pardon my voice. Sometimes it, it might crack. It's getting a little deep. I'm not sure if it's notes. But you're not in pain, are you? No, it's just harder for me to like get words out, if that makes sense. It's. I told my mom yesterday, she was talking to me and I go, I can't talk to you because I have to say my voice for the podcast tomorrow. Like, don't talk to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Well, today, because tomorrow is October 1st, is it? No, no, tomorrow's the 30th. Yes. Coming on into Halloween season, October. Yes. So Spooky season. I went to uh, Save Mart <laughs> and because someone tipped me off and said, don't get your pumpkins from, I don't know, I was going to go to Trader Joe's and then someone told me to go to Save Mart because they're better there. So I got some pumpkins at Save Mart and then I got two from Walmart I got my little display going on my front porch. Her front door is very dialed in. But I just feel like everything needs to get get all that. We finished. also need to use some of your fall decor for our Halloween episode. Yes, our Halloween episode. That would be really um, cute. Well, we might as well just, we'll just talk about it real quick now. If you have any spooky stories that you want to tell us, it doesn't really matter what they're from. Just send them mm-hmm. our way. We'll read them. And uh, if we think it's cool, we'll talk about it we'll share the story um so yeah but anyways should we speaking of um episodes really quick we have a total of 474 plays for our two episodes that is awesome we're we're almost at 500 500 (laughs) so thanks guys and um follow us on instagram i posted some really interesting yosemite historical photos yesterday which i thought were really cool um so yeah and then for today's episode, I guess we'll explain what we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, we have quite a bit, uh, a Gabby update. And then also I have a couple Yosemite stories that are really interesting that I'm going to tell Taylor and she has no idea what they are. Are they going to have me on the ledge of my seat? Yeah, on the ledge of your seat. <laughs> Can't wait. Okay. So we want to start with Gabby because I know that that is a hot topic. Yeah. And we, like we said before, we didn't know how many updates we were going to do on this, um, but we kind of decided we were just going to follow it till the end or at least um, until they capture Brian, I know. which they haven't done yet. So we, we don't want to just cut it off. Like we'll update until it's concluded. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the autopsy has not been um, released mm-hmm. um, in full. So... All of this is kind of alleged. Speaking of which, um, I talked to my family friend who is a coroner, and he said that usually it should take a week, and we're a little past the week mark unless there's something that is hard for them to decipher. Maybe there was other murders that 
went with it or something. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that kind of piqued my interest and made me think about the two other women. Yeah. If they're trying to connect things, it takes longer because it's not so simple anymore. Yeah. And so we don't know that. We mm-hmm. literally know nothing. So that could be possible. So something's going on there um, as to why we don't have access to that autopsy report yet. Okay. So on September 21st, the FBI releases that Gabby's death was a homicide following the autopsy. And that's the only detail that we have been given so Mm -hmm. far. Oh, this is very interesting. So this is, this I think has been deemed false, but I still want to mention it because I'm sure a lot of people saw it. So on the same day, the 21st, Brian Laundrie um, had his Instagram account allegedly go live and broadcasted a couple seconds of what appeared to be a boat on the water. Did you see the footage? It was crazy. People were going nuts over this. And I thought it like nothing has been confirmed, but I thought it, it was real. I didn't. I did see the short clip. Obviously, mm-hmm. I didn't watch it live. People were saying um, it was a fake account. Yeah. So a really it, good it said fake. the live feed was deleted immediately. Oh, OK. It has been confirmed and reported that it was a f- false and fake account. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we did mention that because in case anyone thought that that was true thought that that was true. <laughs> we did too um, so it's okay okay and then the same day brian may or may have not been spotted by a motion activated wildlife camera in the carlton reserve did you see that photo mm-hmm. yeah so there's a photo of a man it does kind of look like him it is odd like it's very <laughs> suspicious like why the heck if is this you're guy- bald and you have a beard and you look anything like Brian Laundry, just don't go outside right now because I know that the Facebook group was blowing up with just like, oh, I spotted him. And everyone goes, no, you just saw a bald man with a beard. That is not Brian yeah. Laundry. But this picture, I think it has been um, confirmed that it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. They like confirmed his identity and stuff. But I did see someone used like a face um, recognition thing and literally had a video of it where yeah. it put brian's face on top of it and kind of toggled mm-hmm. back and forth and it was kind of convincing okay so again on the 22nd the u.s district court of wyoming issued a federal arrest warrant for brian this is what we've been waiting for mm-hmm. because up until this point he has just been a person of interest he wasn't wanted he was not a wanted person so um that finally happened and what's interesting is of course we haven't gotten any evidence um to back that he murdered her like there's no evidence yet Mm -hmm. but what they were able to get him on was he had used gabby's credit card which is credit card fraud obviously without her permission and i think there was a couple other things that um kind of just built on it which it was over state lines it was in more than one state Uh um kind of thing so also, someone else steps in. Dog the Bounty Hunter joined Ooh. the search for Brian. Yeah, thoughts on that? <laughs> Dog the Bounty Hunter. I'm so I, excited. I'm a huge fan. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people are like skeptical of his reasoning mm-hmm. to join the hunt. But he actually lost a daughter at the same age that Gabby was. So what did Dog find out? So Dog... Well, what I wanted to say before that was oh, wow. I'm like a Dog the Bounty Hunter fan. <laughs> so what sparked my interest is when i was living my first year of college out of high school i was living in santa monica 
and my roommate and I were at this place called Third Street Promenade. And it's kind of like a shopping outdoor mall shopping area. And we freaking saw Dog the Bounty you Hunter. You met? You've seen him before and you didn't tell me that? I thought I told you. No. Okay, I didn't meet him. <laughs> I, I could probably... Saw him from afar? Over exact... No, not afar. He was Like, close? walked right by us. <laughs> and I had recognized him, but you don't miss him. Like, he's not one of those famous people that you kind of like you miss yeah <laughs> white blonde hair anyways they were walking and jenna goes taylor that's dog the bounty hunter and i was like what and i had never really watched his show before and from then on it used his show used to be on netflix mm-hmm. so i like binged his show there's so many seasons mm-hmm. and it is like it's very serious but their family is just so funny the way they run their business yeah when the news of dog the bounty hunter came out taylor sent me two full episodes to watch and said you need to watch these right now seriously i was like you have to watch an episode to just understand like what he actually does yeah moral of the story i highly recommend watching dog the bounty hunter (laughs) they're old episodes but they won't disappoint you will love it according to the laundry's attorney the fbi requested some personal items belonging to brian laundry so it sounds like they're now like getting his DNA. Oh. So. Um, also, I remember you, you sent me a photo of someone looked up their house because it was on Zillow and you could see inside Brian's oh room. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I guess this is like a couple years ago. They put their home up for sale, I guess, to just see mm-hmm. what would happen. And you could literally see inside. They obviously didn't professionally stage their home. It was very like DIY (laughs) Um, and it was literally his room and you can like see the books he had on his shelf. So what else? Creepy. Um, Okay. So this is really the last update is um, as of the past couple days, yesterday and today, dogs search has zeroed in on Fort DeSoto campground area and it's an island type area off the coast. So what led Dog to this area, Dog and his team? It has become known. Brian and his parents registered to stay at a campsite in Fort DeSoto on September 1st through 3rd, and then again the 6th through the 8th. So they had a log at this campsite that showed that they were registered to stay there. I don't get why it was two different times. Like, it's very weird to me. Mm -hmm. Like, they went. Like, they almost went and checked out the area. But, allegedly, they are seen on the camera, on a surveillance camera, entering the park. I guess this was on the 6th. They entered Mm -hmm. the park. And on the 8th, they left the park, but only two people left. So, three entered and two left. Yes. And that was Dog's big statement. Dun, dun, dun. Um... So what happened? We don't know. Did, he, did they go in, in there and drop him off and say, did someone meet them there mm-hmm. and he got in? Obviously, I think he's being helped big time by somebody. Mm-hmm. And Dog also clarified that he is talking to the owners of the islands that surround this park because it's he could totally be out on one of those islands. For sure. Mm-hmm. And people were also saying online, why is Dog telling people these tips because if brian you know has a way of knowing about these tips um he's obviously gonna move and people were commenting back saying that's the whole idea is to get him scared and get him up and moving 
basically. Yes, yes. And Scare him out of the area. That's why I think that's what he's been doing mm-hmm. is he's hunkered down somewhere and that is dog's tactic. Mm-hmm. He's going to move. He's going to move and be seen or he's just more likely to be caught and if mess he up. is moving. Yeah. He's more, they said he's more likely to mess up and um, get scared if he knows that people are after him, which I guess that makes a lot of sense to me, to be honest. Either the three of them left or just the parents left on the 8th. Mm-hmm. We don't know. That's all alleged. However, it has been confirmed four or five days later on the 14th, AT&T in Sarasota, that's where they live, right? In mm-hmm. Sarasota, stated that Brian and his parents went to Northport AT&T, tried to set up a burner phone that Brian bought at Walmart. He purchased a SIM card from AT&T and activated it. At the time, the employees didn't recognize him or put it together. I don't think this happened on the 14th, but it was confirmed on the 14th by AT&T. That's insane. At some point, they did this. The FBI has since been to that store on the 14th in Northport, watched their cameras, and confirmed it was Brian and his mother. FBI has investigated this as well as going to all the employees' homes for official statements. Wow. So so he could totally be looking at everything that's being posted. So they're keeping in contact with him somehow. There really isn't a way to trace a burner phone. Also, this case is really hard to keep up on because every every fact that comes out in real time is all alleged at like some point. And it all comes out, oh, this has been confirmed. This happened on the 16th. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, let's plug that into the timeline. Yep. Got to go back. Got to go, go back. back. Figure that out. It's just all a big mess. Mumbo jumbo of information. Um, I really <laughs> wish they would just find him so we could kind of bypass all the I know stuff. Yeah. We can go on. Maybe <sighs> we'll do a Dog the Bounty Hunter story because yeah. he has some good content. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So on to... Yosemite, because I feel like, well, we have. We've only talked about the Gabby case in our last episodes. So now we're digging into some new content. Some new content. Fresh. Fresh. So it's very exciting. Um, So the first one, this is interesting, Tay, because do you know where the Yosemite Summit uh, Meadow is? Say that again. Yosemite Summit Meadow. No. So Glacier Point Road. Okay. About mile two miles from badger pass ski area Ooh. and up or down up okay so on your way to glacier point which is oh uh, okay yes mm-hmm. i know exactly so a super um big tourist attraction that way um interesting fact about taylor and i um we attended lots of mass mountain area ski school yes. at badger pass ski area so literally when we were in Elementary school, school yep. kindergarten through eighth grade. It was only available from fifth grade mm-hmm. to eighth grade. Um, but on Fridays, you got to ride the bus up to the ski resort and mm-hmm. go skiing. And you took lessons. Yeah, you took Mountain lessons. Mountain area ski school. Skiing or snowboarding. And your mom was an instructor. Yeah, my mom. I actually got to go a little bit when I was younger because if your mom or parent was an instructor, you got to go mm-hmm. with your parent. So we got to snowboard and ski in that area and just... Our childhood, there's a lot of memories up there. It's a very cute ski resort. It's not even a resort. It's It's, so small. It's so small, but Mm -hmm. for kids, it's amazing. Yeah, it's so cute and perfect for kids. I'm telling this as we 
tell this sad story after, but um, perfect for learning snowboarding or skiing because it's a little, it's a mini resort. 100%. You guys have to go. It's so cute. Okay. So this is the Yosemite Summit Meadow Jane Doe. So in the spring of 1982, near the Yosemite Summit Meadow area, a decomposing hand was discovered. After law enforcement was contacted, a thorough sweep through the area led investigators to a second hand. Fingerprints of both of the hands could unfortunately not be taken as they were thrown clear before the winter months in snow. A year later, on June 28, 1983, a young boy was playing in the meadow, discovered a thigh bone, along with other skeletal remains. How many months or how long? So it was spring of 1982 was the hand Uh and then June uh, 1983. Wow. A year. Yeah. So it was there for a while, which is, I mean, kind of makes sense because that, I mean, you, somebody gets a bunch of snow, so it's not like you could see anything during the winter months. Um, and it was obvious that, uh, the remains had been in that specific spot for a few years. So in the famous book, death in Yosemite, which we will, um, talk about a lot. The author describes this Jane Doe as possibly native American or Hispanic. But later on, the National Park Service would clarify that she was indeed Caucasian. So after autopsy reports, Jane Doe's age was estimated to be between 17 and 25 years, and her hair color was unknown. After facial reconstruction, the Park Service published a photo of Jane Doe that depicted what she may have looked like. So I'm going to show Tay these photos because um, I think they're kind of interesting. Okay, so this is the first photo and just kind of explain what you see. Okay, so it's a rendition of a woman's face, but it's so like not detailed. It n- doesn't even look human. It's literally, there's no, the hair color's dark. It's just weird. It looks like a mask. Okay, so let me show you the second one. Okay. So definitely you can tell the technology was advanced by this time. Okay, but yeah. The second. And then look at the third. Okay, they completely changed her ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Over the years, three different facial reconstructions have been created to help identify this woman. Unfortunately, her jawbone was never found. So she was given a super like generalized looking chin, which I think is kind of a big indicator of how someone looks. So three-dimensional face reconstructions are either one, sculptures, which means... This was the first photo I showed you. It was a sculpture. That's what I was going to say. It looked like it was but a made from casts of cranial remains. Sometimes they, in back in the day, they use the actual skull. But three-dimensional reconstructions are uh, usually require both an artist and a forensic anthrop- anthropologist, which is kind of cool. So the story takes a turn because if you're a fan of true crime, you know who Henry Lee Lucas is. I don't <laughs> you'll you'll uh you'll know once i talk about it lucas was a convicted serial killer that was active between the years of 1960 and 1983 he was well known for admitting to around 600 murders and many unsolved cases were closed because of all of his confessions um there's actually a movie on him uh on netflix called the confession killer okay what does this have to do again Just listen. Okay. So although an investigation by the Dallas Times Herald newspaper showed that many of the murders Lucas confessed to were flatly impossible for him to have committed, 
Law enforcement at this time was rewarding those in prison who came clean about investigations. So, Henry Lee Lucas was offered television, steak dinners, and milkshakes milkshakes to confess to crimes. Oh my gosh. So he was just... Yes. Oh, I did this. I did that one. But he had nothing to lose because he was already in prison. Yeah. Yeah. So investigators also let Lucas see the case files so he could refresh his memory. I'm doing air quotes right now. Making it easy to seemingly demonstrate knowledge of facts that only the perpetrator would be able to know. So in 1983, Lucas confessed to the murder of Yosemite Summit Jane Doe. He claimed that he was on a road trip with Otis Toole, who is another serial killer. And Lucas says he picked up a teenage girl near Corsecold, California. They drove to Yosemite National Park, bought a picnic lunch, and proceeded to Summit Meadow, where they sat down on a log to eat. Lucas and Toole murdered the woman shortly after that, chopped off her hands, and tossed them across the road to prevent her identification. To verify his confession... Investigators asked if there was anything specific about the murder location. You have a really concerned look I'm on your face. I'm so confused. Yeah. But keep going and then I'll ask my okay. questions. Lucas said there was a license plate nailed 20 feet up a tree, which was actually a yellow trail, trail marker that was nailed at a sufficient height. Um, he also mentioned in his confession that he and Tool buried their trash under the log that they had picnicked on as to not draw attention to the murder scene. He describes the log to investigators, and it was also confirmed that the trash was indeed stuffed underneath it. Jane Doe has not been the only odd occurrence at the Yosemite Summit Meadow. So was it him? They think he, he really he did He confessed it. to it, so they never looked at anybody else. But we still have no idea who Jane Doe is. Okay, so you said he was able to see details in the case file mm-hmm. to refresh his memory. Mm-hmm. Were those things that he said about the license? I'm sure. Plate? Were they in the case file? I'm sure. There's no there's no way to tell because this is another thing. They never recorded his confessions. They never recorded him. Yeah. So there's... <laughs> so, my, okay, another thing that stuck out for his story, he said, we drove through Corsgold. Mm-hmm. Was that in the case file? I don't think how it would, would that, be. How, that wouldn't be in the... No, that wouldn't be in the case file. There's he, no way. Where was this? Where did this guy grow up at? Uh, like Virginia. Okay. So for how him, would he know about Corsgold? For him to know Corsgold, Corsgold is a very small town mm-hmm. on the way to the southern gate of Yosemite. It's very small. Yeah. People that pass through Yos- to Yosemite don't even know that there really is Corsgold. And especially at the time, there was probably in the 80s, you, mm-hmm. did you say? There was probably like a trading post. Mm-hmm. And a, maybe a gas station. Yeah. So him stating Coarse Gold is actually pretty big. Um, so maybe he did. Maybe he's telling the truth. Yeah. I guess she was hitchhiking. Okay. Or maybe he met her at so a gas station. So even if he did do it, he didn't know the identity still. Mm-mm. So she's still a Jane Doe, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yep. And it's still on Yosemite's site. You can look up um, their uh, cold yes. cases site. Yeah. And it shows her wow. facial reconstruction. So crazy. So we never knew who Jane Doe was. Someone's, yeah. Crazy. The next one for Yosemite Summit Meadow area was the disappearance of Jeanne Heschelswert. So this story is from thestrangeoutdoors.com. In July of 1995, Jeanne Heschelswert was driving from Fresno to Yosemite National Park with her boyfriend, Mike Monahan. They drove up Highway 41 and took a right on Glacier Point Road just after 10 a.m. 
the couple pulled over near Yosemite Meadow and decided to take separate short walks and meet back at their car. Mike headed over to an overlook with binoculars to do some bird watching, while Jeanne walked in the opposite direction. She was wearing a t-shirt, leather hiking boots, and walking shorts. After 15 minutes, Mike returned to the car, but there was no Jeanne in sight. Mike asked other tourists in the areas and a park employee emptying bins if they had seen her, but had no luck. After searching for her on, on his own, he headed to the park ranger station at 12 p.m., so he had to drive back down Glacier Point Road. The park rangers began a search and called in a helicopter that same day to try and locate her. The following day, eight teams of dogs were deployed and the dogs immediately circled back to the road and the handlers insisted that Jeanne was not lost but must have been the victim of some sort of foul play because they couldn't pick up on her. A huge search and rescue grid operation continued, which was the largest in Yosemite's history, involving hundreds of people over 40 square miles including firefighters, search and rescue teams from all over the Central Valley. Why was it so big? I, I don't know. However, two clear footprints that matched her boots had been found, which I don't even understand because with all the people walking around, how do they even find a footprint? That's crazy. That is crazy. Um, one near the car and another one um, near the most popular hiking trails in Yosemite, the Bridal Veil to Yosemite Valley Trail. The bootprint evidence was dismissed because she would have had to continue down this trail till she found any help because it was obvious. It was like if she got lost on this trail, she would have kept going because it was so popular and lots of people would be on it. One month later, Maureen McConnell, a friend of Jan's, called a tracker school run by a renowned tracker, Tom Brown Jr., asking if they would help given the lack of success from the law enforcement in their formal investigation. This student checked out the area near the disappearance and found no sign of Jan, but noticed that the area consisted of aspen trees. When the wind blew through the leaves, the noise actually closely resembled that of a car driving by. He noted that if one were to search for a road by walking towards this noise, one would be walking away from the actual road because of the noise from the trees. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? When I was doing this story earlier, I was in my backyard and I was convinced my dad had pulled in to our driveway and it was the wind in the trees. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you have a gravel mm-hmm. gravel in your driveway. Yeah. So um, after figuring out Jan's direction of dominance from old videos, he came to the conclusion she was right-handed. He then drew a one-mile radius arc on the topo map in the direction of Jan's dominance and mapped out her most likely moves in that radius. So basically, he found out that she was right-handed and assumed that she would take more rights than lefts. Wow. Yeah. He also noted that Jeanne's personal traits, described as self-assured businesswoman who is headstrong and confident, if not a little stubborn, to try to understand the decisions she would be making. He hypothesized that at some point she went into a harsh shock after realizing she was lost, but unfortunately overlooked the fact that she had crossed over the actual trail. The tracker student came up with a detailed theory of what happened to Jeanne. He decided that once Jeanne was across the trail into the Bridal Veil area, night was falling and she would eventually see the lights on the floor of Yosemite Valley and the lights from Curry Village. She would then have resolved to get herself out of this mess by making a trek down towards those lights. She would soon come to Bridal Veil Creek because she was not familiar with the area and she would know that to a but she would not know that to attempt a crossing would be a suicide mission. 
No matter where she would choose to cross, she would slip on the wet, smooth granite, most likely to hit her head on the rocks and drown, which um, is a big thing in this area because people a lot of the times underestimate the power of flowing water and waterfalls and all that. Well, and especially if, if, if mm-hmm. especially if it was at night yeah, and she slipped on a rock, like that's And she's rough. in a sheer panic. But the tracker student followed the course of the creek as shown on the topo map and chose a likely spot for her to have attempted this extremely dangerous crossing. So I'm guessing he looked on a map and kind of saw where the skinniest part was and was like, oh, Mm -hmm. she probably went that way. He called the authorities and gave them coordinates where they would likely find her body. Unfortunately, the student's suggestion was met with great skepticism. The investigators believed there was no way Jeanne would have attempted to enter that area as the terrain was so rugged, which I don't agree with because I think when people are in shock and not aware of um, the dangers, they're just going to do it. They have adrenaline pumping, right? Well, and especially if you see the lights. Mm-hmm. It's your only way out. Yeah. She was probably so scared and panicked. But on September 3rd, 1995, two fishermen finally found Jeanne's body in a small pool in the river within a quarter mile of the student's exact estimation. And it was at the correct elevation. They were fishing within a mile above Bridalville Falls, around three miles from where Jeanne originally disappeared. The body was in a bad state of decomposition as it had clearly been in the water for several weeks and identification was only possible through her dental records. The Yosemite spokesperson said at the time, investigators do not believe that the body could have been carried to that spot by rushing waters because the creek is fairly choked with the breeze. So she's basically saying there's either rocks in the way or... um, a bunch of trees have fallen through the creek, something that would stop the body from continuing. The authorities had no solid theory as to how the body got to where it was. The two students from the tracker school never received anything but a thank you from the roommate, and the lead investigator believed it was just luck that led him to the coordinates of Jeanne. Wow. And it just goes back to, like, there are other people that have skill Mm -hmm. to finding people, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they can do it better mm-hmm. or lend a helping hand to law enforcement yes. okay they're not law people are like let the law enforcement do their job but the law enforcement not isn't gonna, the end all be all well it's not gonna hurt mm-hmm. for others to help if they yeah. have expertise in those areas mm-hmm. so yeah those are my yosemite summit meadow stories we're gonna have to go up there i have to go visit it which we've driven by it dozens of times i'm sure i i, ha- mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't gone up to Glacier Point as many times as you have. I've maybe gone once or twice. Well, my favorite past that area is Taft Point. I actually like Taft Point better than Glacier. Oh. Yeah. That's a good spot too. If you want to go up there. Safe hike too. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed. Yes. Please follow us on our Instagram. I know I say that every time um, just for updates. And then also we're doing this thing where we put all of the photos from the episode on a highlight. So you can go back and look at what we've been looking at what we're talking about mm-hmm. and then yeah guys someone send us a ghost story we want to talk send about us it. a ghost story you can um dm it on instagram or you can send it to our email which is the ledge dot the podcast at gmail.com do it guys we want to hear from you yeah okay so we will be back um another time probably before our halloween episode i think it's going to be um in the middle of October. Mm-hmm. And then Halloween special will be 
close to Halloween. Yeah. The end of October. Mm-hmm. And might have a guest by then, hopefully. And hopefully Brian will be caught. Yes. Brian Everyone Laundry. Cross your fingers. Dirty laundry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks for chatting with us. I hope that you follow us, subscribe, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're up to 12 now, which is exciting. So talk to you later. Leave us a review. Bye, guys. Bye. You just listened to On the Ledge, Mysteries in Yosemite. Fail, but gaining nothing.